Father in heaven, as we have heard that Scripture reading, it stills our hearts. It helps us realize that You work in mysterious ways, and yet ways that we can see, ways that we can feel at times, ways that we can get glimpses of. And so now as you open up Your Word, help us to compare our experiences we've had with Your Word, Lord, and to leave here knowing that we have been with You, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A few years ago, I was a young Christian, and as I was finding my way, I was also in a certain facility. I was in a youth correctional facility. It was kind of a mini boot camp. Wannabe army people. Actually, there was retired army. There was current army and, and armed services that would, would staff this building. And so we would be drilled, and we would have conditioning, they called it, which was their little mini boot camp. And as we went through all of this, I am a new Christian. And I remember certain things coming down and putting pressure on me for my beliefs. And while I was in this facility, it was when my, my dad and my twin brother began to go to Net 98 by Dwight Nelson. And some of you are familiar with those meetings. He was talking about a forever friendship. He was talking about remaining united with his friend. And here I am in a place where it was hostile. It was a place where I felt like I was separated from family, separated from people who went to church, not a whole lot of them actually were involved with church or at least claimed to be Christians in that place. And those little sermon manuscripts came to me as an encouragement. I didn't find out till later that it was actually this pastoral visit that came in, this guy who came in to visit with me. It was actually him who sent these manuscripts in. I was talking to my brother the last couple of weeks and he said, no, it wasn't me, it wasn't my dad. It was actually Pastor Peter Hankey who felt like you might need those. And last week I was at Pioneer Memorial Church and I was talking to Dwight Nelson last week and the week before and I thanked him for doing those meetings. A lot of people thought they were a failure, but I said, here's two young people who came to know Jesus through those meetings and you encouraged me in some of my troublesome times and I want to thank you for it. And so as I was there in that place, the pastor came in and visited with me and the first words out of my mouth were, I want to be baptized. <laughs> All right, and if you're in a situation where you have been placed in spiritual leadership and somebody says that first thing, uh, it's like, whoa, it can take you back. And I'm sure it, it looked like it took him back a little bit. And I said, let me explain. As I'm reading through the Bible, I'm noticing Jesus. And I'm noticing that one of the very first things he did after, if you look through the Gospels, is he was baptized. The Holy Spirit came down. He went into the wilderness and began a ministry. And so I want to follow him. And so he said, well, you know, we, we want to make sure that you've studied some Bible basics first, just to make sure you have some of those down. So he started clearing me on, on unclean foods and, and uh, Sabbath and all of these things I learned on my own. <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, I know that, I know that. And he's like, and let me take you through, once you come out of this place, let me take you through a little class with your twin brother and your dad, and that way you can all three be planning on being baptized together. And he went through a little booklet called In His Steps. And some of you might remember that little booklet. It's kind of a a maroon-colored book. It has golden words on the front. Some versions have golden words. And there I was, wanting to follow in Jesus' steps. He slowed me down enough to make sure that I knew what that actually meant, and I was wholeheartedly supportive of walking into those waters and following Jesus for the rest of my life. And here I am years later, and that Scripture verse that we read reminds us that we can need to continue remembering what it does mean. Because you could be a religious person and not really know what it means to follow Jesus Christ. There's Nicodemus, 
And he doesn't even know what it means to be born from above. And so here I am years later. What does it really mean to follow in his steps? It has to be having to do with learning from him. That's what Nicodemus did. He went to Jesus. He was trying to learn from Jesus. Jesus was trying to teach him some things. And so this morning, I want to follow in the steps of Jesus with you. And this is going to lead up to our baptisms a little bit later. In Matthew chapter 2, if we go through and we follow the steps of Jesus, besides his infant birth, we find there are many accounts and record pieces of, of Scripture that tell us some things that happened in Jesus' life. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, it's the King James Version. It says, When they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And so right after his, his birth, right after you've had people bear witness to him, now he's got to flee for his life. He doesn't even know it at the time. I mean, he's a little toddler, most people think. And so imagine my little two-year-old Michael. <laughs> Not a whole lot of recollection of that, but there he is, his parents faithfully removing him from that danger, going to Egypt, and in a way he becomes an overcomer for the nation of Israel, where they have failed and they came out of Egypt and they have spent that 40 years in the wilderness. We're going to find Jesus repeats the same ground, and yet he overcomes. And so these first steps of Jesus, literally at that point, he'd be just learning to walk if he was two or three or somewhere. Some people think maybe up to four years old, who knows. But more than likely, he was just learning to walk, learning some of his first words, and there we find him, faithfully with his parents. And it goes on in Luke chapter 2. If you go over to that gospel, verse 34, Simeon, years later, as Jesus comes back to his homeland, we find they bring him to the temple. And what happens there? You've got a couple of witnesses that just stand out in the story. Simeon blesses them and says to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rise again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword, and the word is actually Goliath's sword, huge sword, will pierce through your own soul also. So imagine you're the mother and you've protected this little child, you and your husband, and you, you've gone to Egypt, you've come back, and you, you go and you want to dedicate that baby, you want to raise him up to the Lord, and somebody comes out and tells you this, that someday, someday you as a mother are going to face a Goliath situation with that child. Yeah, he's going to have a ministry, he's going to rise people up and, take, and we find this idea of taking down, but he'll be a sign for Israel. But in the process, you will be wounded. What is he talking about? A mother, imagine a mother following her son, tucking these things into her heart and watching as he grows up and eventually being right there at his crucifixion. If you were a mother, wouldn't that just tear you to see your son not only beaten and spit upon, but struggling to breathe, struggling to live, and you wish that somehow you could bring him the comfort that he needs at that time. Surely her heart was pierced at that point. And many people point to that direction as far as the fulfillment of this. But notice the last part, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And so, yes, your heart is going to be pierced. Yes, he is going to do a magnificent ministry. But as you follow him, you're going to notice not just what's going to happen to you, but many hearts will be revealed unveiled, like Nicodemus, like Joseph of Arimathea. People will come forth. They will accept this Jesus. They will follow in his steps as well. And so, there you are, mother, and you tuck those words away 
Maybe write them down somewhere. Maybe just tuck them in your memory. And you begin to watch this little boy grow. It says, when they had performed all the things there at the temple, they returned to the Galilee, to their own city of Nazareth, which is going back home, if you will. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And so there you are, watching your child grow. Watching them not just take physical steps, but spiritually they are growing closer to God. And you're noticing it. You ever notice um, when you're around a child and they have that simple trust and that sense of peace that you wish that in the, whatever situation you're facing at that time, you wish that you had that? I mean, stick a little child on your knee there and you've had a real stressful day and you look them right in the eye and you just feel as they're telling you they're everything that's going on in their little world, it's almost like some of your problems just melt away. Imagine watching Jesus grow up and not just sit there and, and, and really keep you down to earth, but also you find Him beginning to actually point you to God. Maybe you see Him out there in nature and He comes back and He tells you about something that He saw and, he, and it lifts your spirit to God. Imagine being the mother watching and following the steps of Jesus. And it says he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. This is really a, a formula, if you look here, strong in spirit, filled in wisdom, the grace of God. They, they, well, they watch in the Jewish system, they would watch their children grow up and they would notice they'd go through stages of development. Uh, you can find this, this is uh, written in Vincent's Word Studies, Eastward Version, but you can find it other places. The Jews marked the stages of a child's development in nine different terms. So they would watch their children grow up and it was very much a child-friendly society. You find Passover and other times, they would include those children in, in the actual worship of God. You also find they would memorize huge portions of Scripture by the time they're age 12. And so imagine there's this child, you're watching them develop, and, and they said that there was a newborn babe phase in Isaiah 9, the suckling phase. The suckling began to ask for food and wanted to feed itself, kind of like I was at the airport in uh, San Francisco. And I watched this little baby there with this, grabbing at the spoon, right? <laughs> and so um, mama is trying to feed it, but this baby really wants to feed itself. This, this baby's reaching for food, beginning to ask for food itself. And I remember getting uh, kind of all over the place, and, and she had to, uh, she literally licked the spoon. I thought that, uh, maybe she was trying to taste it or something, see if it was any good. But anyway, <laughs> right. the child begins to ask for its own food. It's weaned, of course, in that process, and then it, it bonds strongly with its mother in their society. But eventually that child would become firm and strong, not just physically, but with youth it would grow up. He would shake himself, not necessarily totally free, but he would act on his own, as far as spiritually speaking, and become known as a warrior. Now, if you're in a war society, of course, you, you think of physical battle, but in a spiritual realm, they would stand on their own two feet. And in the Old Testament, the youth would become, they would get to the point where they would defend their parents in the city gate. They wouldn't just receive anymore. They would actually get to the point where if an, not just a physical enemy would come, but a spiritual enemy, they would defend their parents in the city gate. That's what I want to see happen. Each one of us following in the footsteps of Jesus. But it says Jesus waxed strong in the Spirit. Not just some physical developmental stage, but His parents watched as He grew closer and closer to God. And His strength in the Lord exceeded theirs eventually. You ever watch something like that happen? 
somebody that maybe you've discipled or raised, or there are certain areas maybe they've exceeded you. Imagine watching that. And so you find, yeah, he's there in the carpenter shop. He's learning that trade. Yes, he's going to the synagogue and he's hearing the scriptures. And it even says, as his custom was, he read the scriptures. So it must have been at some point they let him see the scriptures and not only just see them, but read them and memorize them. And so he's growing as a youth. He's growing up from there. And it says, when he was 12 years old, Luke 2, 2, chapter 2, verse 42, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And the word is ethos. It's, they have a course, you know, the annual cycle of, of Judaism, they would come up there together. And when he went, and eventually he gets lost, according to his parents, they think he's lost, but he's back, what? Instructing the religious teachers at age 12. If we were to fall in the footsteps of Jesus, we would become spiritual giants. Not being fed by the pastor anymore, but feeding yourself and growing, and nurturing, and exceeding your teachers. And he does that. They come back, and he goes down obediently with them. He, doesn't, he says, I've got to be about my father's business. He knows his mission is there before him, that he, need, he needs to accomplish that at age 12. But he subjects himself to them. And his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. She's still tucking those away. Years later, his custom continues. Luke 4, 16, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was, same word for when he was younger, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read. So what can I gather from following in the steps of Jesus at this point? He grows spiritually by attending those worship opportunities. He grasps object lessons as he's going along. He's maturing physically, but spiritually. He's reading and more than likely memorizing huge portions of Scripture. He's learned to trade from his dad. He's learned life lessons that later on he's going to use in his preaching. And I would venture to say he's becoming a spiritual warrior. Because chapter 3 tells us there is, a, there is a spiritual point where he doesn't disengage from his family, but in essence stands on his own two feet. And in that system he would be now a spiritual warrior. In Luke chapter 3, it says, as the people were expecting or watching with expectation, John the Baptist, all men mused in their hearts of John, whether, is this the Christ? Is John the Christ? And John answered, saying to them, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, a mighty warrior, a mighty man of valor is coming, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. His fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable, asbestos-type stuff. Then in essence, you can't put that fire out. It's from him. And so there he is, a young man. Can you imagine the people watching with expectation, looking for the Messiah, but for some reason, he walks right by them? It's not enough to just know about this Jesus. You actually have to be looking and watching and spending that time knowing him for yourself. There I was in San Francisco airport yesterday, and I was busy. It's pretty easy to just walk by something important, right? Especially when you're in an airport and you got your backpack on you, which I had most of my stuff in that, and my bag got sent ahead of me to Reading. And as I'm going to the airport, I'm noticing I can move pretty fast with just my backpack and laptop and my 
whole bunch of books the teacher had me carry all the way to Michigan, which I didn't even use. And so there I'm carrying this weight, and I felt like Pilgrim's Frogger's at times, but I can move fast through the airport, and I don't have to watch out too much as far as my bag trailing behind me. And I come across some people that are going slow, so I slow down, and I'm thinking, well, I really need to get around them. So I start going around them, and it's this entourage of uh, African Americans there. And somebody, as I'm passing them, comes up and greets this one guy who looks like he's kind of going along like that. He's got almost like a, a robe on, but it's golden color and two pieces. And he's got these dark sunglasses on and these dreadlocks coming down. And they say, Mr. Wonder, I love your music. I'm like, here I am. And I don't really, I'm not a Stevie Wonder fan. But I'm walking right by somebody who the whole, I mean, just everybody would be glad to even greet this guy. And I'm in a hurry just to kind of move on with my day. And this all takes place there. So I fall back, and I just begin to observe and watch. And nobody even notices this guy all the way from there and up until where he was turning off to his terminal there. Nobody even notices the guy. He's got a bodyguard here and one over here and two or three guys there supporting him along the way. And nobody, <laughs> and I said, I wouldn't even notice the guy either if somebody hadn't come up and greeted him. Interesting, isn't it? People could have known Jesus all their lives. Grew up in his own, his own town. And they walked right by him. And so when I fall in the footsteps of Jesus, I want to make sure I know him. Appreciate the fact that this is the one whom I'm following. This is the one whom I'm worshiping here. And he is worthy and mightier than anything I could be. And so I'm going to point, like John, people to Jesus Christ. And then we go to Jesus' baptism. And there he is baptized. And you read John chapter 1 and 2, and you find John was given a sign. You read it on your own when you get home today. And the sign was, the one whom I see the dove coming down upon, he is the one. And so what happens? Here comes Jesus, and he points out that Jesus needs to baptize him, but he does it to fulfill the righteousness according to Jesus' own word. And as he's doing it, as Jesus comes out, this dove comes down, and a voice from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Some of you have been baptized. You've followed in the footsteps as far as going into the water. But imagine there you are, seeing that happen. Seeing all heaven come up and say, "Not you're a wonderful singer, I really appreciate you, but here's the one right here. They're all pointing to Jesus. All heaven is involved in that baptism. And today when we have baptisms, we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because all three were present there at Jesus' baptism. You had the Father saying, this is my Son. You had the Spirit coming down like a dove. And you had the Son being obedient. Not just there, but for the rest of His life. And so Jesus' baptism, as I look at it, there He is, heaven open, Holy Ghost descending. And it says in verse 23, He was about 30 years of age. That was the age where you would begin your ministry. A lot of people would be trained, they would have a trade, and some of the rabbis, if you didn't cut it in their school, you could follow and learn some more, but here comes Jesus, 30 years of age, son of Joseph. What steps does he take after this? If I follow him and have the camera on him in the Bible, well, we find him overcoming in the wilderness. We find his ministry beginning. We find him calling the disciples. We find him having an ordeal at Nazareth as well. Uh, they didn't want to accept him. There he was, growing up amongst them, and yet they didn't accept him. He said, I'm coming to give the gospel to the poor. 
heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. If you've been wounded or need healing or need freedom, Jesus is saying in his first public address at that place where it was his custom to read the scriptures, he stands up and says, not only am I here to preach a sermon to you, but I'm here to point you to healing. I'm here to point you to someone who can give you deliverance and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He had what we call present truth at his time as well, saying it's time to unite our hearts with heaven. And he closed the book, said today the scripture is fulfilled in your ears, and what is their response? Isn't this Joseph's boy? Now, that's not Stevie Wonder at the airport. That's some impossible. You know, really? This is the one who we've been all looking for. So they've known about this boy, but it's not enough to grow up with Jesus. That's why when we, when we do baptismal classes for young people or people who want to be rebaptized, we go through and we just let them know, remind them, review with them, and prepare them to not know it for their parents or for somebody else, but for themselves, to know Jesus for themselves. Because back then, they heard the very own words of Jesus. They knew about him, but they didn't know him. And so our prayer for each person who does decide to unite their hearts with Jesus is that they will know him and they'll stay connected to him. So he goes forth, calls his disciples, follow the whole those whole bunch more events I could add. He gets his power from on high through connection with his Father on a daily basis. He goes on, he heals many, like he said in his opening sermon. Imagine experiencing the healing touch of Jesus. Not only that, he teaches and he welcomes those little ones. <laughs> there they are. He uses them as object lessons. He says, if you don't become like a little child, you will not go into the kingdom of heaven. Imagine there you are hearing that. You can learn a lot from a child. And so he welcomes the children. He forgives the sinners and tells them, sin no more. I give you power to overcome. And then we find him at the crucifixion, the wounding, the Goliath sword that comes and wounds his mother's heart. When they came to the place, which is called Calvary, they crucified him and the malefactors, one at the right, other at the left. And then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And there they are, parting his garments, casting lots, deriding him, saying, you've saved others, Jesus. Save himself if he be the Christ, the chosen of God. At that time, and I think we can learn from Jesus here, the times of discouragement, the times when people try to get us to forget, we must remind ourselves that we are the Son of God. He is crying out to his Father, even if they think that he's not chosen of God. And so we too must have a crucifixion. We must die and then Jesus treads down death and Satan underfoot at the cross. His resurrection comes, and we find he ascends to heaven, and he says, I promise the same thing to you. I send the Holy Spirit upon you in Acts chapter 1. Will you receive that Holy Spirit? Will you follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ? So as I put it all together in one slide, I see Jesus in his life submitting to God's plan, eventually growing physically and spiritually. He's staying connected with God. He's connecting with each other people in the spiritual gatherings. He's seeking to know God's will through reading of the Scriptures. This results in him being baptized and a ministry beginning. He becomes an overcomer. He dies to self, dies literally, and rises from the grave. And so we have baptism symbolizes all of that. So there I am with that little book in my hand. You know, 
There he is in Matthew 28 telling me that, 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 Murray, it's no surprise that the guy came to visit you there in that place and bring that book and tell you to follow in the footsteps of Jesus because that's what people have been doing since I established the church. And so we unite in Christ. Baptism is an outward expression then of a belief inside. When I got in those waters, I was saying to the whole world, I want to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. I want to be a part of His church and unite with Him in this mission and take it to the world. Never knew where it would take me. And so, baptism symbolizes our faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, as well as our own death to sin in our new life in Christ. Paul says, I die daily. Daily we must come to the foot of the cross. We're told to spend a thoughtful hour each day looking at Christ in the closing scenes. Baptism is not for sinners per se, it's for believers. A sinner, you come to Jesus, you accept Him as your Savior. Hey, I've done that, but now I'm a believer and I want to follow Him the rest of my life. Sinners come to Christ just the way they are. He accepts them just the way they are, changes them. They're saved. Baptism is a public statement of our commitment to follow Christ and to unite with His visible body. Some people think, well, why do you do baptism and membership at the same time. It's because the one who is now new babe in Christ needs a church family. If you had left me after my baptism as an Adventist church, I wouldn't be here today. I had so many discouragements after that, so many things to overcome, and I came together with my church family, and the same ones who prayed for me for years at prayer meeting before I became a Christian were there at prayer meeting praying me through and helping me through after I became a Christian, after I became a member of their church. So baptism following in his steps means that I am going to follow Jesus today and I plan to follow him the rest of my years into eternity. So there I was, May of 99, I got out of that place. I still was following Christ. I was still trying to stay focused on him and his word every day. And then I went through that little book and then some. That pastor had so many questions he had to answer. It was, ugh, hate to be his candidate that day. But he answered them gracefully kindly, kept pointing me to the Word of God. The Bible says, the Bible says, it is written. And so there we were. And my dad's back there today. And you'll notice the guy going under the water. There's me. Uh, that rag almost went over my face at that point there. But I remember that day, just going under the water. My brother standing there. My dad standing there. And I was following Jesus. I was in his steps both then and now. And so then I went to Andrews Union College and then Andrews this very week. And I was thinking, what am I doing here? And really, what I, it's very simple. I just reconnected with Christ the whole two weeks. And I'm here to say it's powerful. And there I was in this little building on campus there. And right there, there's a little hallway here between this oval place and that big office building there. And I was sitting there on the floor in this breezeway. And that was my time alone with God for two weeks, just spending time every day, taking my journal out, reading Scripture, staying connected with Christ. And so you never really stop following Jesus, do you? We still continue learning more about Him. We still follow Him each day. So today you have some individuals amongst you who want to follow Jesus today and for the rest of the years. Two of these individuals have been baptized before, but during our Landmarks of Prophecy meetings, they were brought to prophetic truths and things that they had forgotten were brought to their minds. And they felt like a while back they had separated from Christ and now they want to, they want to reunite with Him again through rebaptism. Sometimes we do that. And, so, and then you have two young people who I've been working with since last October who would also like to follow in his steps through baptism. Um, and I'm going to invite them all four forward. Don, Clyde, Jared, and Jasmine. 
And I've got four questions for them, three questions for them. We pretty much take the vowels and we, and we summarize them into three questions. And don't worry, this is, I won't quiz you as heavily as I did in the class. Uh, <laughs> These girls were phenomenal in the class. I, mean, I, I, I threw so many questions at them uh, and things that they went back to the Bible and just found answers for. It was amazing to see that happen. So I want to ask them some simple questions today. And Don and Clyde, I'm going to ask you the same questions because this is a recommitment to, to what you've already known. And so the questions are up on the screen. Do you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Yes, okay. So He not only just saved you, but He's changed you. He's your Lord too. He's still guiding you day by day to be victorious. Okay. Number two, do you wish to order your life according to the teaching of God's Word? You're going to keep learning more and more, but you wish to order your life according to the teachings of God's Word. All right. And number three, do you desire to become a member of this local church of the worldwide Seventh-day Adventist church? Okay. We're a local church. We have that mission statement over what we're going to do here locally. So I'm, I need your help with it, though. I can't do it all myself, and neither can any one of us here. So I want to invite you to not only just be a part of our church, but to find a way to fulfill our mission here and as part of the worldwide church.